Primetime slots and news channels are allotted to debate shows which are basically shouting matches. The lack of civilized and professional debate in the mainstream media has kept the Indian news consumers starved for some good, healthy discourse. Extra Insights proudly brings to you Rebuttal, a weekly podcast that hosts civilized debates. In the light of three new farmer bills, farmers across India are staging protests fearing the death of MSP and exploitation by the corporations from the new free market model. Are their fears justified? Will the market turn for the worse or shall the new opportunities lead to growth in the country? Today we debate that. Are the farmers fear over three new farm bills justified? Let's dive into it. Hello and welcome. My name is Vikram Pratap Singh and this is Rebuttal presented by Extra Insights. Rebuttal is a civilized debate on issues that matter for curious news consumers. In the light of three new farmers' bill, farmers across India are staging protests, fearing the death of MSP and exploitation by the corporations from the new free market model. Are their fears justified? Will the market turn for the worse or shall the new opportunities lead to growth in the country? This brings us to the topic of today's debate. Are the farmers' fear over the three new farm bills justified? Let me quickly establish the rules. Each participant gets a total of five minutes for opening comments, three minutes to rebuttal and refute, and one minute to share their closing comments. Speaking first and for the motion is a third-year engineering student, a poet, and author of several books, Asharuddin. Speaking against the motion is a student of St. Xavier's College and winner of several national and international debate contests, Hamid Aziz Safwi. Gentlemen, let's debate. Take it away, Ashar. Okay. Uh, to begin with, I'll take 30 seconds to explain you the consistency of government's impactful failure in all the policies which government brings as if it's going to bring about some kind of historical change in every six months. Uh, if you look at the record of CAB, the new educational policy or the demonetization, every time the fantasy was at some kind of peak and the ground zero impact has either been disastrous or it is going to be disastrous based on the postulates of the policy itself. The same is with the Trio Agricultural Bill which is naturally very perilous for the health of entire agro-economy. India is an agro-based country, we all know, uh, with agriculture sector contributing to, uh, to the rank 2 in GDP and service sector contributing to the rank 1. But still, uh, the share of agriculture in providing employment is number 1. The problem with the trio bill is that the government is trying to kind of decentralize and scatter the agro-based market in no direction which is very obviously going to cause a great chaos for the farmers. Uh, the term from which the government is running, MSP. MSP is the term from, from which the government is turning its face away vigorously. I have a pretty simple question. A pretty simple question which is from my side as well as well as from the side of the entire farmer that why don't you bring MSP under the legislative rule? Why can't you just pass one legislative rule in the pa parliament that whosoever doesn't pay in the uh, registered market the proper MSP price, that trader, that person would be jailed. This is the simple demand of farmers as well. This is the thing that can be corrected at very basic level, but you are not doing that. 
instead of saying that the government is saying that no no open market will be available and the bargaining power of farmers will improve whom are you making fool the poor farmers will now be denied the msp as well after the dilution of msp and they will be left to the mercy of the traders this is certainly going to be very devastating now let me ex- express the another interesting fact that is based on the government uh, data nsso as well that only 6% of the indian farmers do get msp and more than 83 to 84% farmers are still dependent on market and let me explain you that how this uh, freedom of market is go- uh, going to be devastating for the entire society let me explain the entire mechanism first a farmer is going to not get any msp in the market so government is withdrawing its hands from there after a farmer a farmer will go to a different market which is not the part of registered mandi the traders will buy the uh, commodities at a lower price they will stockpile the uh, entire things and they'll be selling it at much higher prices because obviously it's moving to the service sector which is uh, sorry profit making sector which is more concerned about the profit so the farmer is lost uh, is at loss so the public is at loss the entire system is at loss and we don't think that i don't think so that the agricultural economy is somewhere anywhere going to boost with that i agree that apmc is not a fool's proof system yeah but government saying that no tax is required to sell outside of the registered mandi is something to be taken care of there is no strong regulation along with exemption of tax for farmers who are going to sell their products agri produce outside the registered market this clearly gives traders the open license to exploit the farmers in whatever they wish government government doesn't want to regulate what needs to be regulated and this thing is not going to help farmer anyway now let me remind you that when the quarterly gdp of india is running in uh, the figure of minus 23% yeah the the dream of 5 trillion economy when the quarterly sector of uh, gdp is running at minus th- uh, 23% the agri sector is still in positive it's plus 3 percentage so the real freedom of farmers would have been that you regulate the market you regulate the msp or you try to bring in some kind of better revolution like green revolution which was brought in 1970s but the problem with green revolution was that it was not uh, for the vicinity of uh, more crops it was only for the wheat and rice and it did not spread to the much lands of india so you can bring a revolution like that you can uh, legalize msp you can do many things but you don't want to correct the basics rather you just want to run in kind some kind of utopian policies which we have been doing also there is one interesting fact the that the entire government's people have been discussing uh, discussing all around and also the prime minister have, have been saying that we want to double the income of farmer this this is this very term of doubling the income of farmer seems to be very kind of like catchy to our ears but the government never tells that what is the baseline of the farmer's in- income are you trying to double from 1000 to 2000 or from 1 lakh to 2 lakh because uh, why i am saying this because the average salary sorry the average monthly income of farmers in india is about 5000 this is also a government data also the farmers in bihar are lagging behind uh, beyond uh, lagging beyond the uh, national average as well i would like to mark the words of ashok gilati who is a famous agro based columnist in newspaper uh, his article on 8 june on financial express says that farmers income would double only when the growth of agri sector would be above 10% for consistently many years but the utopian policy makers of the cabinet will never let you know this 
now i would like to draw the attention towards a government scheme uh, that was launched around 2016 known as enam where the sale and purchase of agro produce was said to be directly linked to internet and smartphone and again a fresh fantasy comes into picture that farmer of west bengal would be able to sell to the farmer of uh, say kerala and with a greater bargaining power whom are you making fool sir let me tell you that the internet access is not is not proper in the villages in the remote villages more than 70 to 80 uh, percent of the poor indian farmers who uh, own uh, let's say less than 2 hectares of land they don't have smartphones even they don't know how to operate the interface how will they go on inter- uh, with interacting with the uh, traders of kerala and put everything online on the interface and then sell this system is highly complex and this can't be really done at ground level you are just because the fantasy can be done anywhere but ground level these things are not still applicable and also where is enam today it was launched in 2016 it was announced in 2016 by the pm of india himself where is it today why the government is not yet connected all the mandis itself to the uh, enam leave aside the outside market why have you not still connected the mandis to enam how do we expect this policy this trio bill policy this uh, whatever they say that agricultural reform how do we expect this to uh, be uh, in a successful race if the enam is not succeeding because the concept of enam is also same you can sell the produce outside the market with greater bargaining power that has not helped how do you expect this to help i believe that this is more of an agricultural deformation than reformation it's more of building castles in the air when your base is really very big you are constructing a concrete structure on sand why can't you just correct the basics thank you thank you very much ajar government is spreading the agro sector without any plan of action poor farmers will be denied of msp mandi system will be devastated agro sector still contributing to the economy despite historic fall in gdp I would now request Hamid to go ahead with his opening comments. A very good evening to all of you. So to begin with, you know, you need to understand the basic fact that the failure to implement a policy on the ground or the previous experience of a failure to implement policy on the ground is not a reason for the government to not go ahead with reform. You see when we talk of India or the Indian context each and every sector of the indian economy or india in general has undergone reform if you talk of the lpg reforms of 1991 they were also to delicense the indian economy to move away from the license raj to a more liberalized form of the indian economy that according to me is something which the government has tried to do in this particular context with the with these three bills now you see when you look at these three bills you cannot look at them with isolation you have to look at them in the larger context of what the government has been doing for the agricultural sector you know very recently during this lockdown period the government has announced the formation of fpos that is the farmer producer organizations the government has announced new policy measures that would go a long way you know like the agriculture infrastructure fund now the agriculture infrastructure fund fund is to create post harvest facilities is to create whatever you call these overheads so that the produce of the farmers are not destroyed now you see let me tell you that there were some very very practical problems that existed in the current scenario when you look at the mandi system in india it had become a haven of haven of corruption right because what used to happen is that a farmer cannot go and sell his produce in the mandi so long as he does not have a something which is known as a mandi license now to buy that mandi license you need to pay a certain commission to the arhatiya or the arhat person who looks after that's called the mandi agent you pay a commission to them and on top of that you pay a certain amount as tax to the government 
So it is obviously a good form of revenue for the government, but we can't look at farmers' welfare simply from the point of view of revenue for the government. You need to understand that we have had the Essential Commodities Act since 1955. Now, when where, where did this ECA concept come up from? This concept of the ECA came up from when during the Second World War from Winston Churchill. When he used it to get basic, you know, perishable commodities for or basic grains and groceries for his soldiers, you need to understand this is a very very archaic law that has been in India from 1955. And despite this Essential Commodities Act to prevent hoarding, despite the existing of existence of these APMCs and the mandis, and no matter whatever you know the arguments that you've given, you still have a crisis of inflation in India. In 2019, you had the problem of the onion prices going up. Before that, you had the problem of the potato prices going up, and this is to continue year on year on end, and hoarding was continuing despite the essential commodities act being in place. But what it was doing on the ground was it was having a very counter-effective policy. What used to happen was that the that these large corporations did not produce the entire produce of the farmers. So what used to happen is that in the case of a bumper crop, because of the fear of these essential commodities act and because of these arbitrary limits that were imposed by the government, these large corporations. Or in fact, the large business houses never used to produce the entire produce from the farmers on the ground, and there will be a raid on them. So there was an entire raid raz that was continuing in the in the agricultural sector that prevented the the produce of these farmers from being bought. So therefore, the bumper crop used to be wasted, and farmers used to commit suicide simply because their produce was not being taken away, and they used to incur large amounts of losses. So by removing this barrier that you cannot impose an arbitrary restriction on the quantity you can hold, you can introduce these restrictions when. When there is a let's say a surge in prices more than hundred percent over a particular year, this ensures that the produce of the farmers can be taken. Second is that there is this allows more and more investment to come into the agricultural sector, which is very very important. You see, we are not doing away with the APMC system. If a farmer wants to go to the mandi, he can go to the mandi and sell his produce. All that we are trying to do is essentially give him a choice. Is that there is going to be a written contract between the farmer and the corporate. When the corporate is going to buy, we are giving the farmer a choice. Now the APMC system has already been reformed in Bihar, and that system is doing very well. Where you you have the farmers, we are giving them a large basket of choices to choose from. If the government wants, if the farmer wants to go ahead and continue with the APMC, he is more than welcome to do that. But we are what we are trying to do is we are trying to give him the choice. Because let's look at a very practical example. Suppose a farmer lives in let's say the Howrah district of West Bengal, but the local local the nearest mandi is in let's say. Let's say five kilometers from his house, but that falls in East Bengal district. According to the current system, the farmer has to go to the Howrah district mandi. He cannot go to the East Bengal district mandi because because simply of administrative reasons. So therefore, what we are allowing him to do is that if the East Bengal district mandi falls closer to his house, he can go over there and sell it, or he can go into a negotiable contract with the farmer. He doesn't have to go all the long distance to. That the mandi, we are giving him a larger choice. We are giving him to him as per his convenience. So look at all of this together. Don't look at this as a separate concept. Look at the FPO creation. Look at the agriculture infrastructure fund creation. Look at it from the point of view of investment, and look at it from the point of view of committing farmer suicides. So given all of this, I believe that the farmer protests are largely because of misinformation that is being spread, and therefore we believe that this is a step in the right direction to liberalize the economy for the farmers. Thank you. Thank you, Hamid. Those are some great points. Mandi system a heaven for corruption. The archaic law was needed to be done away with. Hoarding can easily be done away with. More investments will come as a result of the reforms. I would now request Usher to go ahead with his round of rebuttals and refute. Yeah, very well said, Hamid. Some of your points were really uh, relevant. 
Hamid said that we have to look all the things together, right? We cannot segregate the three policies individually. Same, I am saying when there was uh, when the Monday system was not uh, running good, government had introduced uh, Enam. Enam was there before Enam. The MSP was there, so there was also a lineage. Why can't you just go and correct the basics? You said that failure failure of one policy cannot uh, doesn't mean that we should stop the another policies from coming. Does that mean that you uh, every day you go on bringing the policies without caring about the previous policies delivering on the ground? No, you can't do that because just because you don't want to regulate the MSP, you are bringing new policies with, uh, I mean, uh, with a, a more of shallow things over there. Uh, he said that Monday system was not good because farmers had to pay tax and. I already said that Monday system is uh, not a foolproof system. It has got its own its own flaws. So basically, I'll go with the rebuttals. My first question is that why don't you legalize MSP? If the farmers are protesting for MSP, why don't you just go and pass a legislative law that MSP should be legalized? First question. Second question goes that. Enam was there in 2016, which was introduced by the same government, and which also meant that the farmers should be able to sell outside of this mandis to the different states. Enam failed. Now you are bringing another law. So with the lineage of failures, you are going on bringing new policies. What does that mean? You said that you cannot stop policies from coming. So does that mean that we'll keep on bringing policies and the suicides are obviously increasing? So how does that help? Thank you very much, Ashur. Those were some great points. MSP must be legalized. I would now request Hamid to go ahead with his round of rebuttal and refute. So you see, when you talk of legalizing the MSP, you need to understand that we are essentially talking of a market system. There will be times when the when the price of the commodity will be higher than the stated MSP. There are times when it will be lower. So if you if, if you legalize the MSP, there is going to be a system where the corporates are only going to pay the MSP and the farmer will not get a higher price. So let us look at it from that point of view. Now, second is when you talk of Enam, you see the basic fallacy with your entire Enam argument is that nine states in India have not yet implemented Enam. It is there across sixteen states. I, I mean, I'm getting my number wrong. Nine states have not implemented it, and the other nineteen have. Okay, so it is not pan India. Now. When you look at this sort of system, you need to understand that the effects of the system are not going to be there in one particular day. When you're trying to reform something which employs 49% of India's workforce, you need to understand that any reform to have any effect on the ground is going to take take a minimum of 10 years to show an effect. So when you talk of ENA from 2016, it's just been four years, and, it's, and according to me, it is still too early to gauge it, despite the fact that nine states have not yet implemented that particular policy. So you have to look at it in the larger context, and given the fact that reformation in India is not going to be it's not going to be so easy second is you talk when i talk to you about implementation of policy right you need to understand that implementation of policy is not something that de depends on one particular individual it is something that goes right from the prime minister to the gram panchayat head and there might be there there are cases in which the policy is correctly implemented and similarly there are cases in which the policy is not correctly implemented now i am not saying that you turn uh, you you turn a bull's eye to it what i'm saying is turn a blind eye to it all that i'm saying is that this is going to happen in every case you look at something like let's say the uh, the swachh bharat oil is there are villages in bengal that have implemented it beautifully then there are villages in bengal that have not implemented it beautifully but that does not mean that the concept of swachh bharat is wrong so what i'm saying is that in every policy there are going to be cases where it is correctly implemented there are going to be cases in which it is not correctly implemented but the idea that it cannot be correctly implemented should not take away from the fact that the idea is in itself good and reformatory in nature because it is reformatory in nature we need to give it time now when we are saying that we will give the larger choice or the larger basket to the 
farmers. You need to understand it is going to take a minimum of 10 years for the farmers to get themselves accustomed to this. And we are not denying that fact. It is going to take time and we need to cut the clutter from this. What I'm essentially saying is that farmers will take time. We want to give them a greater choice. We do not want it to be a form of commission because what we want to say is that we do not want farmers produce to be a source of revenue for the government only. We want to give them a larger choice because farm. if you look at it, agricultural income is anyway exempt from, from income tax. What we're doing is we're not looking at it simply from a point of view of revenue. We're looking at it from a point of view of larger good. We give them a larger choice. We're allowing them a written contract. This is important, right? What we're also doing is that we are allowing a person to legally keep a certain amount in his inventory. When you expose something, that is when you can curb something. Because just by keeping an archaic law that has not stopped hoarding up till now. When we allow a person to hoard or not hoard, keep large stocks with him, that is when he will come and legally talk about how much he's keeping. That is when how we will ensure that it reaches the grassroots. So therefore, I believe that all your points have been redundant in today's debate. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hamid. Price of commodity will be higher and lower depending on various conditions. Implementation needs to be from the grassroots level. Farmers need to have larger choice. With that, we come to the last round. I would now request Usher to go ahead with his closing round. Before my closing statements, I would uh, like to speak something because uh, Hamid spoke about that Enam was not pan-India, right? Enam was uh, not implemented in all the states. It was done only in 19 states. So you are basically ignoring those those activities that had been done in the 19 states. So you don't think so that in four years, those 19 states whatsoever they have done, it carries any weight because we have to wait for 10 years. So why don't you tell that, okay, I'm uh, like putting this policy in on force. Why does government say that I'll be doubling the income of farmers in two years, in three years? Here you are saying is that you need 10 years. Why don't, why doesn't the government say this in the manifesto itself that, okay, we'll be bringing a policy. Give me some five years, give me some 10 years because Achedin doesn't say that, uh, give me five, uh, give me 10 years of time uh, because the policy outcome will be visible only after the period of 10 years. Now, uh, Hamid, you said that in Bihar, APMC has worked very well. So uh, let me tell you that I come from Bihar and uh, my ancestors have also been in uh, agriculture in B the average salary not salary sorry the average income of farmers in Bihar is lowest in India one of the lowest Bihar is even low uh, the average wage of farmer is lower than the average wage of the pan India in uh, agricultural sector also uh, you have been talking very much about the uh, enam but uh, that it has come only in uh, 2016 and we should not look it in a small figure let's wait okay let me tell you the decline of agricultural output from 2016 it was around uh, like in 2016 the agriculture output was around uh, 18 percent in 2020 it has declined by two percent so i am just showing you the figure that has come after the introduction of enam itself so if enam has been introduced in uh, kind of say okay 19 states only not in pan india then again the agricultural produce has declined by two percentage so i don't see that there is any role of enam in overall uh, uh, so you have been redundant in one thing that you said that uh, okay the we are uh, providing more opportunities to farmer we are just expanding their choices we are opening their baskets for the open market right so towards the end let me begin with telling you that this is a deviation from the truth 
show me a single rule that says the farmers can't sell outside of the registered market the farmers were already selling outside of the mandis before when the uh, uh, when the msps were denied that's why i said only 6% farmers do get msp more than 80% farmers had already been selling outside the market so where does that, does that point stand valid show me one single rule which says that farmers uh, are constrained from selling it outside before the bill was introduced ironically the government claims that the, that this bill is for the benefit of farmer and the farmers are protesting on road isn't is it just too strange i mean if you are doing something good for me i should rather welcome uh, you with the whole of my heart so uh, also the opposition has not joined the protest from beginning itself it has joined it later on so you can't say that this is only a kind of propaganda the government did not consider any single farmers association while it was drafting the bill they are not listening to the farmers now how rude and hypocrite is this and now you are lathi charging on them and you don't have enough humanity and sense of uh, like social justice which has been which has been inclined uh, like highlighted in our constitution because you don't want to talk to them you don't want to listen to them you don't want to invite them while you are drafting the bill understanding their fears and their insecurity is very important democracy the government should sit with them i totally stand with the farmers and i believe that their protests are completely justified thank you thank you very much there ashar i would request hamid to go ahead with his closing round okay so to begin with apart from the points i've already stated i think we've drifted a little too much towards enam All that I tried to say is that when you try to introduce a reformatory system, it's going to take time, and there's no point denying that reality. Okay, coming to that, we also have to say you talk of agricultural output. What does agricultural output got anything to do with Inam? Inam is selling the produce, not not the output altogether. Okay, so that's a redundant point. Now coming to that, what we say is that you see, whenever there is a new system that you're trying to introduce, there will always be some amount of misinformation. There will always be some amount of protest, and we believe that a large amount of these protests by political parties has got to do with the fact that the political control that these parties enjoyed through the Mandis is going to go away because the Mandis are one way in which the political parties would appoint the agents over there and continue to administer it. Now the control goes away. That is also one of the reasons behind the protest. When we say is that whenever there is any deregulation that we try to do, this is a sort of deregulation for the farmers, right? Now you say that the farmers are going to sell outside the mandis. What we are saying is that we are bringing in a more legalized and better system to prevent exploitation, to allow investors through the system to come in. What is wrong with that? You see, whenever there is a deregulation, let me just come to this. When there, whenever there is a deregulation, there is going to be protest, and we have to accept that. When there were 1991 LPG reforms going to do, there were protests. When the milk revolution was announced, there were protests. So similarly, whenever an agricultural revolution is going to come, there is going to be some sort of protest, and this protest has got to do with misinformation, right? Now, what we have to say is that whenever we are trying to tighten up the screws, we are trying to bring in, uh, bring up a newer system in place. More systematic system in place. Now you're saying that there are farmers that go and sell it outside the system. What you're saying is we're bringing it into a more legalized and a more systematic way. What is wrong with that? If a farmer still wants to go and sell it in the APMC, it's more than okay to go and sell it in the APMC. Today, what we allow is more investments to come in, more cold storage to happen, so that these commodities don't get destroyed. So that farmers, in the case of a bumper crop, they know how to go and sell around the product, and their products are not destroyed. They do not commit suicide because people are not buying the products in, under the fear of the Essential Commodities Act. So you have to look at this all together. You see, today in the milk industry, you've got But milk cooperatives, where there there are people who one or two buffaloes who get together and they go and sell the produce. Not as if all all the small milk uh, milk milkmen are destroyed, right? You, that's an entire debate altogether. It's, it's an, an, an analogy I'm trying to draw. The entire sector is contributing, and there are cooperatives that are formed. Similarly, the farmers producers organizations that are being formed now. There is an agricultural infrastructure fund, uh, agricultural infrastructure fund that has been formed now. Where is the problem? We are going to a more systematic role, and we believe it is necessary for the betterment of farmers. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hamid. 
With that, we come to the close of Rebuttal. Thank you, Hamid and Asher, for joining us. It was a pleasure to hear you on Rebuttal. Our listeners can participate in the debate on our website or via the Extra Insights app. We would love to hear your rebuttals. We shall see you next week with another real debate. Bye for now.